Hello, and welcome to the Teaching in Medicine podcast, where we explore effective teaching of the healthcare providers of tomorrow. I am your host, Dr. Kathleen Timmy. My guest today is Dr. Karishma Sriram, a second-year pediatrics resident at the University of Utah. We are going to discuss the role of social media in medical education. So Karishma, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us about your medical training. Where did you attend medical school and what brought you to Utah? Yeah, so I went to Duke Medical School. um, And then when I was applying to residency, I just wanted totally something new. So I grew up in the Southeast, in Georgia primarily, and then of course in North Carolina. Um, I just kind of wanted a new adventure. And so I decided to apply out here. And lo and behold, I ended up being able to be out here um, for residency. And it's been amazing. Yeah, I, can, I can relate to that story. So I grew up in the Northeast. Oh, I cool. grew up in Buffalo, did my training in yeah. Connecticut and was really just looking for a change of scenery. Yeah. Knew yeah. very little about Utah before I came out here to interview and just yeah. fell in love with the place. So that's awesome that you made your way here as well. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, I interviewed you as a residency applicant, and I remember that you were a podcast host as well. So can you tell us about your podcasting experience and background? Yeah, so I do remember that. It's so crazy that (laughs) we've come almost full circle now. Yeah, yeah, so I hosted a podcast called Voices of Duke Health um, at Duke, and it was primarily centered around addressing burnout. So we sought to bring stories stories of awe and inspiration and just excitement in the medical community, whether if it was from patients or family members or providers, of course. So um, that was a really cool experience. It was definitely difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, me and um, my producer, Susanna, I love calling her producer because <laughs> it just gives her such an official term. But yeah. We used to sit for hours and hours in coffee shops, just listening to the amount of um, recording we had done over the week and been like, oh my gosh, we have to go through (laughs) all of this now. We have to piece it together. We have to find music, but it was just such an amazing experience to be able to weave those stories together in a way that was consumable and presentable to our audience. So I really enjoyed it for sure. But, um, yeah, definitely a whole new skill (laughs) set. Yeah. And is that podcast still going on or... So it wasn't going on for the past year, but it sounds like someone might be picking it back up. So yeah, I'll just stay tuned and see if it really is. (laughs) Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes if it's still going on. That'd be awesome. Um, So I have to admit that I was a little bit skeptical when you approached me about this topic of social media as a medical education tool. I definitely see its utility for communication, for recruitment but I really have some doubts about its use as an educational forum. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you got interested in this topic and and why you suggested that we talk about it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, and, you know, given that I'm kind of in this group as well, I've just noticed how many people my age and in the medical community use social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or I think maybe even a little bit more Instagram. Um, I've definitely been a part of Instagram, especially through kind of like the PEDS residency recruitment side. Um, But as I've kind of grown in my medical career, I realized that more and more doctors are kind of becoming a part of this platform. 
Um, and some of them do offer advice. You know, I follow a ton of dermatologists that are like, this is the skincare you know, <laughs> line you should use. Um, but there are a couple of docs out there that actually use it for education. So um, one of the accounts I'm thinking of particularly is a account called Dr. Wars Game. And I remember just clicking on it just by happenstance being like, oh, this is a fun little comic. Um, I wonder what it's about. And um, I remember there was like this one comic that literally describe what child specialists do and how, um, you know, we use them in healthcare, especially as pediatricians, I feel like in the ICU and even on the regular floors, you know, we call our child specialists like all the time Mm -hmm. to help, you know, even from everything like sticking in an IV to talking about cancer. And this comic within like one little four panel comic just beautifully described kind of what this profession does. And, um, and then as I started scrolling later on, I saw that he sometimes talks about hyponatremia and the, you know, (laughs) differential for that and, um, all these kind of things. And so I was like, wow, like I'm spending maybe like, you know, a few minutes at a time just scrolling through Instagram, but I'm able to take in this like little piece of knowledge as I'm scrolling. And I found that I was actually retaining it a lot better Mm -hmm. sometimes than, you know, watching YouTube or reading a book or something like that. And so that's kind of what piqued my interest in how we could use social media as a form of education. I think you're right. There's, you know, so much social media use. And in preparing for this episode, I read something like 80% of young individuals have a social media account. I know you said a few minutes, but I bet most people are spending much more um, time than that on their social media accounts. And what a great way to put educational pearls, you know, alongside the other accounts that they follow, whether it be family, friends, um, celebrities, whatever else they follow for entertainment. Um, I do see... I do see the value because it's it's use of it is so widespread. Absolutely. And I think too, the beauty about Instagram versus things like Twitter or Facebook, well, I guess Facebook kind of has this also, but Instagram really just has kind of like a photo and then you can put kind of whatever caption you want beneath it and mm-hmm. then space for comments. And it's all kind of like in this one section where the photo is what grabs your eye and then the comments can kind of add to it um, and help kind of with that educational component. And then the comments just help with that kind of connectivity. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people can comment, other people can reply and be like, oh, what do you think about this maybe as a form of, you know, how we can treat XYZ disease. Um, So I think it's really cool to have both that visual component, which I think a lot of us learn from, mm-hmm. and then also the connectivity with you talking with your peers, talking with whoever posted the post or whatever it might be, but just that interaction to be able to discuss something. Mm-hmm. Can you think of other ways that students and residents use social media for education? Yeah, I have definitely seen as some people kind of use like more of the um, video platform as well. So um, there are a couple of docs out there that will have, you know, I know a lot of people know about kind of like the TikTok or Instagram Mm -hmm. Reels version of, um, you know, how people like talk about their day or talk about a new recipe or something like that. And um, some doctors will actually use it as a way to maybe incorporate some humor in some like basic you know, like clinical pearls that they wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I feel like a lot of mine are renal related, but I saw <laughs> one about hypertension and it was just a really nice way that 
the nephrologist just kind of in this 15 second video or so had a really quick pearl and then some humor behind it. And then you were able to kind of incorporate that into your knowledge and really consume it as a learner. Um, so I've seen that as a really cool way to use social media as well. And then also some people use kind of, and I, I know I'm kind of focusing on Instagram, but I do think that that is one of the platforms that's almost more conducive to it. Um, I've definitely seen Twitter as a way that people try to get that kind of engagement too. Um, but I think kind of Twitter and Facebook, though they are highly used among our generation, I think a little bit less so from um, Instagram. And, and I think Instagram is growing a little bit more, which is why mm-hmm. more of us are on it. But um, I've also seen people on like Instagram stories be like, hey, this is what I do. You know, ask me questions and you know, I'll be able to respond to that. And I feel like that's another Mm -hmm. quick way for people just to like click on a story and be like, oh, you know, I learned a story about something today. And now that's like in my memory. Yeah. I think as a new mom, especially I've been using a lot of different avenues on Instagram to learn about you know, feeding, parenting. So I follow a lot of different um, nutrition specialists, psychologists that go over um, tips for, you know, infants and toddlers. And um, I found that to be very helpful. And, you know, I, I get good information from my pediatrician, but we see her every few months. And this is a way to sort of keep up with the latest and you know, I'll read an interesting article, send it to my husband, have a chat about it later. Especially now as we're navigating feeding solid foods, there's a lot of great accounts that we follow for how to introduce solids safely. And and I, I've actually found it to be really helpful you yeah, know, as a new parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're hitting on a really good part about possibly having medical medical education on Instagram as well as that patients and, you mm-hmm. know, and family members yeah. can also tap into that. Um, and I think, of course, one of the things we need to watch out for is kind of what is the credibility behind whoever is posting. Sure. And of course, as you were saying, like the nutrition experts, and like the <laughs> psychology experts, I think it's important to realize that, you know, not everything that everyone posts online is going to be fruitful to yeah. learn from. But for sure, I think the people out there who do identify themselves as a professional in the XYZ area can really reach a large audience. Mm-hmm. Um, with good information um, and allow for just like accessibility of that kind of information through those platforms. Yeah. So when you come across a new resource, how do you decide whether or not it's of good quality? When I was reading last night, I was um, looking into educational merit versus social capital. So social capital being popularity, having a ton of followers, um, versus it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the content is of high quality. So do you have any tips for figuring that out? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, honestly, and maybe this is not a great answer, but I usually just look at like what their credentials are, mm-hmm. like who they are, yeah. where they work, what kind of, you know, background they have. Um, even with like the Dr. Wars game account. Like I looked at, you know, who created this account and he's yeah. like an internal medicine doc down in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, uh-huh. and um, just kind of like knowing who the creator is, I think is really helpful sometimes too. And then sometimes I just like peruse through the comments and see what kind of comments 
you know, and um, kind of conversations they're engaging in. If it's all just like some people being like, hey, this is not right or something <laughs> like that, you yeah. know, I would definitely take it with a grain of salt. But um, I love seeing some of these accounts that are like, other doctors being like, wow, thank you so much for sharing. You know, can I share this to my own website or something mm-hmm. like that? And um, that's kind of how I tend to gauge credibility for sure. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I feel like it, within the title, you can, in the bio, you can usually see if they, you know, come from a reputable institution, have a degree in the field. So yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a good way to vet your resources. Yeah. And then I always appreciate accounts when there is an evidence base for what they're saying that they list that reference as well. And I've seen that um, come up more where you can, you know, click on the link in the bio for uh, to access the actual journal article or, you know, whatever evidence base there is behind what they're saying. So absolutely look for that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that you hit on an important point that sometimes people, you know, kind of get this idea that oh I just need to have more likes and more follows and and that can be hard yeah you know as an educator I think in general you want to be liked by the people (laughs) that you're sharing information with and you want to reach them yeah you know in a helpful and productive way but it is challenging to kind of have this in the back of your mind that oh you know if they're not liking it or you know commenting on it like am I really impacting them but yeah um, yeah, I think, I think we just have to lay that kind of pride aside, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, that kind of love that we seek, but, you know, still present good information out there. And, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that'll reach, you know, our target audience. Yeah. So what would you say is the social media and Instagram landscape right now? Yeah. So, um, particularly for medical education. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that for medical education right now, I would say that they're kind of few and far between accounts focused Mm -hmm. on medical education, particularly I've definitely seen, you know, some doctors that are just kind of privately, you know, their own doc are not so, so much associated with a university or something like that using social media as a way to, you know, offer advice to their patients, just Mm -hmm. as you were saying with, you know, new kids as you're introducing them to solids. Um, I've definitely seen that. But I think as a form of formal medical education, it's kind of still in the testing phase. It looks like a lot of the studies um, so far have been primarily qualitative, but also shown kind of mixed reviews. Like Mm -hmm. it's not really showing an increase in exam scores, you know, or these other kind of traditional ways that we measure competency in medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least through some of the qualitative things, I have seen um, students and a couple of residents alike, there have been a couple of studies with residents just saying like they felt like they were more engaged Mm -hmm. with the material or, you know, some of the funny ways things were presented, they felt stuck in their heads a little bit better. Yeah. Um, And I think that at this point, while, you know, we can't really do a randomized control trial of (laughs) social media um, use in medical education, but I think that at least seeing these like few positive impacts that it can have on education Mm -hmm. could maybe encourage us to try and do, you know, more formal studies to see, is there a way we can make this something that could help education in the future? Um, Because I think we've seen kind of over the course of the year, like, or years rather, 
ways that medical education has changed. Like mm-hmm. in the nineties, the whole flipped classroom idea came about. And yeah. um, later on, when my brother was in medical school, he didn't have sketchy micro, but <laughs> he was just five years before me. And lo and yeah. behold, sketchy micro came in and really changed the way we think about microbiology and uh-huh. learn it. And um, so I think that over the years, we've definitely seen medical education kind of adapt to how technology is changing. And mm-hmm. um, I think social media is going to be kind of one of the routes that could that we could potentially take. Rather. Yeah. Yeah. I just missed Sketchy and Anki and all these other mm-hmm. things that students yeah. use now. Like I had an yeah. I had a notebook with the slides printed out and we went to <laughs> class in person. And so just a really kind of outdated way of learning I guess, compared to um, the way that learners can engage now in a variety of different ways. Right. So absolutely. And I imagine social media is just part of part of that landscape mm-hmm. and, and catching up. Yeah. Um, I think there's also a lot of interesting accounts from like the American Academy of Pediatrics, from the AAMC, from different kind of governing bodies that help yeah. share um, new guidelines, new literature. And so I think following, you know, not only individual accounts that maybe pertain to clinical interests, but some of the um, larger accounts in whatever field you're in, that could be helpful to, you know, stay up to date on when meetings are, when new consensus guidelines come out. So that's, right. yeah, a good way Absolutely. to kind of link, link you to other things. Absolutely. Yeah. So why would an educator want to use Instagram as a platform for medical education? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I'm the daughter of two educators, (laughs) both mathematicians and statisticians. And, you know, when I told them about, you know, this idea of medical education through Instagram, my dad was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You know, there's no way that you can assure reliability of information. There's no way that you can you know, actually make sure that your students are looking at it, you know, like yeah. how would that really translate. But I do think, you know, everything besides my parents' wisdom aside, <laughs> I do think that there is a space for that. I think that honestly, and I've even noticed that the way our attention span is, mm-hmm. it is so, you know, just like in little chunks, we can really focus Mm -hmm. and then we just have to disconnect for a second. And I think that that's like part of what social media is. You're really, you know, scrolling through your Mm -hmm. Instagram feed or Facebook feed or whatever for maybe five to 10 minutes max, I would say. I don't know if people do it much longer (laughs) than that, but, um, and that's where your attention span is. And So I think that if we can present material in a way that does capitalize on the poor attention span Mm -hmm. that we have, maybe we could be able to tap into kind of this new form of education through that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, again, it is a tough place, especially for someone who hasn't grown up with social media to try and embark in. Like I know so many of my professors at Duke, they were amazing, but they had no idea how to use their iPhones, you yeah. know, and um, to ask them to use social media, that just seems like such a daunting task. Right. Um, but I do think with some of, you know, the right resources and constantly asking for feedback from your students, okay. like, hey, is this working for you? Am I doing this right? What's going to help make this better? Yeah. I think that that can potentially give them a space to be able to use social media as a form of education. Mm-hmm. 
And I think for medical educators to pair with maybe a trainee or a student who's really interested in social media and, and savvy with that technology right. yeah. um, could be a nice collaboration to have somebody else manage the account and maybe you help guide some of the content. Yeah. Um, I know you did a re- residency program takeover day so <laughs> and help manage yeah. that account. And, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's probably best that it's somebody a little bit closer to the audience that actually right. does the nitty gritty of managing it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what would you say are some of the downfalls of using social media for education? Yeah, so I think we've talked about um, a couple of them. So definitely the social capital idea and just this... Um, yeah, just this thought that you have to get, you know, X number of likes or comments, Mm -hmm. um, that can be kind of harmful to whoever is posting, you know, whether it's someone who's a teenager or an adult, it's always just kind of this kind of hurt to your ego, Uh I guess, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think the other things are knowing the reliability of your information. Mm -hmm. Um, So of course, you know, as doctors, we're hoping that we're putting out the best information for sure. Um, But as a consumer, as a student, you're really wanting to make sure that you are getting the correct information. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, as opposed to a larger lecture setting, you can't really ask questions that'll be immediately responded to, you know, question some sort of fact that maybe you've heard a controversial or different thought process behind. And so I think that that kind of component can definitely make it challenging. And um, yeah, and and the fact that it's over the internet, you know, it's, it's not in person. I think that over the course of the year, more of us have gotten more used to the idea of it being of everything rather being mm-hmm. over the internet <laughs> um, and, you know, through Zoom and FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. But it definitely does take away, I think, from a component of teaching when you're not directly in front of whoever you're yeah. teaching and truly engaging with them, looking at them in the eye, and, yeah. um, you know, having a back and forth conversation. So I think that those are probably some of the downfalls that I just think about mm-hmm. the top of my head, but there are definitely more out there that I think could be addressed for sure. Yeah. And I think remembering too, it's, it's a more, you know, superficial kind of learning experience. Mm -hmm. It's not a deep dive into a topic. It's, you know, clinical pearls, high yield facts, Mm -hmm. um, ways to point you towards further reading and resources, but to like, to fully understand hyponatremia, you're not going to get all that information Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And, um, just knowing that, you know, you, you may have to do a deeper dive into the topic, yeah, but it's a great exactly. way to get started right. and maybe identify some of those resources that are helpful. Absolutely. So how would you encourage someone new to social media to try an educational platform through Instagram? Yeah, I would probably first say, look at the ones that are out there already. I think that there are some great examples that can either be emulated or just, you know, to be learned from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anyone new to social media, that's often like the way that they, if they want to have kind of a platform, the way mm-hmm. they go about it to look at what other people are doing kind of in the arena. Um, I think also talking to your younger colleagues or those <laughs> of us who do use social media yeah. almost on a daily basis and um, just picking our brains for what works, what doesn't, what grabs people's attention, what maybe is, you know, too many words on a page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, I still remember in my third year of medical school, my mentor sat me down and taught me how to do a PowerPoint presentation. And I was okay. like, I've been doing this since I was in fourth grade, you know, I could make a PowerPoint and she just went through all, you know, 
the pitfalls and all the like good things that we can do through yeah. that point that we so often don't. <laughs> I remember being like, wow, this totally changed how I think about <laughs> using PowerPoint. So I think we have to approach kind of like these new modes of technology through a similar kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. we might have learned it one way. I've definitely learned social media one way, but yeah, I think that there is kind of a structure to the madness in a way that we can present information in a good and tangible way mm-hmm. um, for just those kind of like fast grabs or fast moments of education. Yeah. Yeah. Social media for me started in college. So I mm-hmm. you know, have a decent amount of experience. And um, for the podcast, we have an Instagram account, a Twitter account and a Facebook page. It's at teaching in med. Mm-hmm. So you should follow if you're not following already. But there's still aspects of it that I have the hardest time figuring out. Like I cannot figure out what hashtags to put to increase the <laughs> readership. And so I just kind of make them up as I go every time I post something. But I'm sure there's yeah. ways that I could better promote episodes by through use of um, hashtags that yeah. people might be following. Absolutely. So there's, Absolutely. there's a lot of nuances that I find yeah. to be kind of tricky. But yeah, yeah, I'd say, you know, just try it right? And yeah, see what other people exactly. are doing. And yeah. exactly. So we focused a lot on Instagram. What are your thoughts on Twitter as an educational resource? Yeah, I think that Twitter is, you know, definitely, and I think it's been actually used a lot as an educational mm-hmm. resource over the past few years. Um, I know that, you know, whenever we're at conferences or anything like that, I'll see mm-hmm. some of the other docs or professionals there, you know, post a paper on their Twitter account Uh and then, you know, tag a hundred of us in it. So we'll be able to see it and repost it. Um, And I think, yeah, the beauty of it is that you can repost and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of information is public. I do think that sometimes the conversations can get a little bit lost though, just Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, tweets and replies and you yeah. don't really know what thread you're on at, at a certain point. And, um, and I think the audience that, or rather the usership of Twitter is maybe kind of a different age set than mm-hmm. those on um, Instagram or even those in medical school right now that right. are using social media. I know at least when I was in, in high school, Twitter was definitely big in high school, maybe even a couple of years into college. And then Instagram kind of came about. Uh-huh. So I'm sure, you know, maybe even by the time we have this podcast, out, there's <laughs> going to be like another cool platform oh, yeah. that like, needs to be utilized. Um, but yeah, I do think that Twitter has definitely been utilized in the space a good deal. And mm-hmm. I've certainly appreciated it. I think I have more research paper, papers, you know, bookmarked from Twitter than yeah. I do from many other resources. <laughs> Um, and it's nice to be able to have, you know, those links that you can just click on there. But mm-hmm. um, I do think that the maybe audience that it would be reaching, it's going to be slightly different from the medical education audience. Yeah, that's a great point to like as you're delving into social media, trying to pick a platform that your intended audience uses. Mm-hmm. And so I think for our demographic like students, residents, probably Instagram is a bit higher yield. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think, a lot of other good uses of Twitter. They have a meta chat. I think it's every Mm -hmm. Thursday. And so leaders in medical education will get together and tweet back and forth. I don't even know if that's the right, the right verbiage, but um, about a certain meta topic. And so it's a way to kind of have a conversation 
across the country, maybe even across the world with other experts in the same field. So yeah. that's a kind of a neat use. And then I came across this word tweetorial. I don't know if you've heard that oh, at all. No. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what it means either, but apparently there's tutorials. So wow. I don't know if there's maybe a video um, capability or some way oh, to, yeah. So we'll have to, that's our homework to figure yeah. out what a tutorial is, but um, apparently that exists and it's Whoa. a way to share content on Twitter. Cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then the other thing I came across was, um, I'm not sure which program this was with, but there was uh, some chief residents that use Twitter as a way to update on, like, this is the article for Journal Club. This is a summary of what happened at Grand Rounds. This is the latest in evidence-based medicine for our field. And so there's actually chiefs that created a, a Twitter account and just used it to um, put out high-yield content wow. for their program. That is so, really cool. Yeah, I thought that was wow. pretty neat. Well, anything else that we didn't cover today that you think is important when thinking about social media? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of ground today, which is great. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I would just encourage educators to utilize the platforms that they have to reach their audience. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a variety of platforms, including, you know, just sitting in front of your students and teaching them. Um, but I do think that the way technology is moving, there are going to be other platforms to, yeah, address your audience. And so I just encourage people to utilize those. Yeah. And I did want to make a plug for a website. It's doctorsonsocialmedia.com. I'll put it in the show notes as well. I came across this group on Facebook. They have a group. It's um, so me docs, S-O-M-E. Um, so social media doctors. And this is a networking group for physicians who are using social media, who have podcasts, blogs, videos, books, different things to promote um, through social media platforms. So this website actually has a lot of great tutorials and um, they have courses that you can take and they um, highlight bios from physicians who are using social media very successfully. So it's a great place to go if you're interested in learning more. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll ask you um, the question that I ask everybody at the end of the episode. So what teaching pearl or piece of advice would you like to leave us with today? Oh, yes, that is a good question. I think the one that I've honestly learned the most, especially in these two weeks of being on the resident as teacher elective, is just listening to your students and getting feedback from them, knowing what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what you can do better. I think that just constantly helps you become a better and more productive educator. So yeah, I would just encourage you to ask for that feedback whenever you can. Awesome. And I forgot to mention that Karishma is on a resident as teacher elective with us um, these past couple of weeks. So I'm basically holding her captive and forcing her to do this interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> but thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And I'm glad that you're getting something out of the elective. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Please send any comments or suggestions to teachinginmedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Please like us on Facebook and Instagram and follow us on Twitter at teachinginmed.